welcome to the Build Business Acumen podcast, where we deliver practical knowledge and powerful guidance. Here is your futuristic host, Nathaniel Schooler. Oh, I'm really excited today to have one of my old, uh, my old clients, actually, uh, Eddie McTominay with me. I hope I got that right. McTominay. McAtominy. McAtominy. Uh, <laughs> I think it's super cool anyway, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a great Irish name, yeah. <laughs> Maybe because you got your first name right, yeah? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> Not well, I've, I've known you for, uh, for a long time, and yeah. um, it's got to be about eight years now, I would think. Yeah. And yeah. You, you, working with you was so educational, like in the first part of my kind of marketing is when I first moved into marketing and you probably didn't realize it at the time and I didn't realize it at the time but like what I actually learned hanging out with you and 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 the other guys it was really valuable the knowledge that I picked up just from just from sort of listening in the office and 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 stuff like that and I think I'm just really excited to hear about what what you're working on nowadays and 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 this kind of stuff so you're, you're 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 mainly a creative director right yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so my background uh, effectively started off in retail design. So I started off at Fitch, which is part of WPP now, although it wasn't then. Um, and I suppose over the years, I've chopped and changed. So, you know, for periods of my life, I was very well known for designing bars and restaurants. And uh, I've still got one standing, Ed's Easy Diner, which wasn't called after me, but um, is still actually around. Uh, but, you know, a lot of it's obviously chops and changes as retail chops and change. So as I say, started off in very much retail, retail design, uh, ended up quite young with my own businesses. So typically then you're getting involved, not just in your particular skill set. And my skill set was environment, I suppose. I did product design at university and ended up, you know, I suppose, a retail designer in terms of designing stores. But as you develop a business, you end up employing other types of designers. So going from 3D, you're employing 2D graphic designers. You know, as things change, you're ultimately employing digital designers. It goes off and you're employing architects. So you end up with a team of people. But I suppose my responsibility over the years has been to deliver the outcomes. So typically in retail terms, the outcomes are a shop or store, uh, print and promotional items, you know, digital website, mobile app, that type of thing. I suppose anything that engages customers to effectively purchase a product. Um, but I suppose, you know, alongside that, you have to know a little bit about a lot of things. So everything from space planning and how people actually shop, you know, the physical ergonomics of shopping and the psychology of shopping. So where you place products on a shelf and how you place them uh, and effectively, you know, there's this, this, I suppose, information data available in terms of how people actually purchase so premium products are put in certain locations at eye level and the like and you can actually create how people actually physically shop a store and customer flows and the like so there's a bit of science behind it notwithstanding you still have to know a bit about air conditioning and materials in terms of wear and tear and how to not use necessarily the most expensive thing because typically stores are done for three to five years and then they're stripped out so so there's a lot of things you need to know I suppose in, in recent years, I uh, have done a lot of identities for places. Um, started off effectively being given the project by 
network rail in London, um, and then it's gone on to various other place identities for network rail in Manchester, Salford, Leeds, various other places in the UK. Um, and fairly recently, I did a, an identity work with part, as part of the team, but effectively was creative lead on uh, Leak Street Arches, which are the graffiti arches underneath Waterloo, which is a bit of an oddity because it's not a, a specific identity. It's working with artists um, who are going to be layering up paint. So you can't just put a sign up and you know, expect to look like a sign. So we had to think slightly differently to actually... Um, I suppose approach that from the point of view of creating an identity that was going to last because obviously it's going to be painted over. So it was it was a lot about thinking through what an identity is about. And obviously some of the identity at Leak Street is the graffiti and the art, but what they were trying to do was utilize the space to actually engage with other businesses who could identify with that and actually use the people coming through to actually give them a bigger experience in terms of food and drink and something which creates something where you go there all day and it's still underlined by the actual art and the fact that there's graffiti art there and you know possibly you can actually do something yourself so we came up with this idea of an identity based on uh, a strap line leave your mark and that being a an invite to anyone to come and leave the mark. So not the specific guys who have been going there for years, you know, any member of the public can come in and leave a mark, um, which was quite a nice, a nice sort of engaging. Uh, so that, anyway, that's, that's now open and finished and, and doing very well. I think the, the reason I wanted to chat today was, was more about what's actually happening with retail and specifically what's happening with the high street. Um, obviously things have changed. I mean, there's lots of things happening at the moment in terms of the economy and the fact that, you know, things are being cut. Um, and, you know, there's obviously a shift online in terms of purchasing. There's obviously changing tastes as millennials have come through and generation Y's become X. X has become, uh, yeah, people, people don't shop in the same way as, as I did, or even you, you know, who's slightly younger than me. Um, so, so therefore, you know, the high street, we've seen, you know, lots of very large retailers starting with Toys R Us, who I suppose more edge of town, but, but, you know, a lot of them, Maple and, you know, various retailers going under. The last one being obviously that you read about Evans, the cycle store going under ostensibly. Oh, but I, I actually, I actually didn't read about that, but I, I literally just bought a bicycle the other day and... And it's such a shame that that went out of business because that is a particular area that could have been so simple to to keep to keep alive, yeah. And and actually, you know, I, I see massive opportunities within mobile bicycle servicing, mobile puncture repair, like. And the problem the problem with all these things, right, is that they don't adapt fast enough. They don't listen to what the customer wants, right? And, 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 and change. I mean, look at Blockbuster and how that died, right? And what happened, like Netflix came along, they posted the CD, the DVDs, didn't they, to start with? And then they came in and killed it. And, and, and Evans, I'd be very interested in your reasons why that's gone out of business. Well, um, Evans, you know, if, you know, being fair, hasn't actually gone bust. It, it, it effectively was ostensibly going bust. And Mike Ashley, sports director, has agree to take an amount of it and he's going to offload a certain amount of stores which understands about 50 percent of the stores 
um, and, and retain them out. I, I think you know, there's quite a few reasons for it. I mean, obviously, we've got this um, economy that's effectively undergoing this austerity. So you've got pressure on local authorities to generate income. So whether that's rates or parking restrictions, um, you've got retailers who've signed up for leases, 25 years leases in a lot of cases. So their rent is only going to go up. Uh, and if they signed the lease five years ago, which they could quite easily be doing, they've got 20 years of an agreement. So again, you've got businesses, the only way they can get out of these agreements to pay rent is to effectively liquidate themselves in some way, shape or form. And the, you know, that, that doesn't take into account the changing market, the fact that people, certainly younger people, are not shopping in the same way um, and that they're using stores really just to benchmark in terms of pricing to then buy online because they can get it cheaper. So they're going to perhaps touch and feel the product and see what suits them or, or whatever. Um, yeah, and, and then obviously you've got the rise of online retailing. So you've got companies like ASOS, who you know, I remember when clothing retailing was first muted in terms of going online and people said, well, people aren't going to buy clothes unless they can touch and feel them. But you've got someone like ASOS, who's probably one of the most successful fashion retailers, certainly in Europe, um, have a fabulous reputation as a business in terms of their whole engagement with staff and the way they present themselves and the fact that they are state-of-the-art in terms of that market. Um, and then you've got Topshop. You know, you've got Topshop competing with ASOS now. And obviously, probably they're not going to compete because they've got however many hundred stores across the UK where they've got up to 25 year leases paying huge rents and they're under pressure from rates from the local authorities and people not being able to park and people not shopping them just going in to compare prices and product um, so, so there's, there's lots of reasons and the other thing is obviously the whole expansion of retail so, so retail was going along at a pace with retailers funding through profit and then all of a sudden you get the money markets moving in so you get the likes of hedge funds and funds buying into retail giving them x amount of millions of pounds and this is not just retail and stores this is restaurants and the reason you've seen restaurants going under all of a sudden they expand beyond the size of the market capacity um, and the whole push is to get more open because they're making money so typically it's this sort of pyramid and domino effect as it starts to fail so the market starts to drop off every store is paying high levels of rent not all the stores start to take money as the market drops off so all of a sudden you're left in this position where you've got gaps like rotten teeth on the high streets and what's going to happen because you know the high street for me is essential in terms of creating communities one of the things that you know, I, I do find slightly disturbing about the whole online thing is this you know, lack of engagement between people. You know, that the people start to believe that things appearing on social media are real and people's lifestyles posted on Instagram or Facebook are actually real. They're not. They're little tiny fragments of their life and no one's going to post that day they were miserable on a Tuesday no. evening. Well, they're and not, are they? No. Yeah, so, so, so therefore, everyone, everything's polarised in terms of the view. And I think things like having reasons to go out and to 
effectively be part of a community and to socialize are, are, are fundamental to keeping a society going. And I think the high street's core in terms of providing that. Um, yeah, where I live, funnily enough, where I live was voted the most healthy high street in London. Uh, a couple of days ago, there was a, there's a poll, and as it happens, I, ha you know, I live in Muswell Hill, um, and there was a poll conducted, and I'm not sure who it was by, it was one of the retail organisations about the most healthy high streets in London and obviously the UK. And typically the correlations were very much around money. Yeah, so, so typically the, the, the least healthy high streets were in areas where people don't have a lot of money. And obviously Muswell, to a degree, where, where I live is a very middle class uh, high street, which effect, you know, effectively attracts uh, middle class brands, I suppose. And you've got you know, a huge plant organic and you know, this, that and the other. But, but generally, um, you know, you're sort of, chicken and fast food outlets tend to go to cheap high streets um, or where, where there's slightly more, I suppose, poverty. Um, but, but I think it's essential anyway, at whatever level, you've got to create this heart in communities because if everyone eventually stays at home on social media as, as people get older, I mean, there isn't this sort of sense of creating society. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's obviously a lot being talked about in, in terms of what can be done. So there's... Obviously, it requires people to sort of step backwards to a degree. So, so landlords to effectively look at things differently. But, you know, would you rather have someone saying, I'll pay half the rent for the next 10 years, or I'm going to put the business in liquidation and you're going to have an empty shop? And you're not going to have people queuing to actually, you know, fill that store now or that restaurant. So, so this idea that um, looking at other ways of using the high street, I mean, there's talk of, trying to create communities by trying to get more residential in the high street. I mean, there's, de there's definitely been a movement in the you know, bigger cities of the UK where more younger people are moving city central. You know, you have this sort of thing where for a period of time, as you, you know, your career expanded, you, you live in the city for a while, then as soon as you could, you move further and further out because that's where the suburbs were and that's where success lies. Um, I think now there's this idea that, you have this sort of lifestyle where you know, work's becoming more focused around where you live. Um, not sure necessarily it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, I think it's a good thing short term insofar as I can see it between, between the ages of 20 and 30 that you're thinking, right, okay, I'm going to do the, the co-living where I work with my friends and then after work I socialise with them. And then all I need is a tiny little space to go and put my head down and then I wake up the next morning and work and social, you know, and you start to get to 30 and people start coupling up and the first child comes along and all of a sudden, you know, shit, you know, do you really want to be in this 24-7 social place? Um, and also, you know, no one's thought we need to build a school around here somewhere or we need to, you know, so there's things that... Um, but the high street's interesting because I think this idea of regeneration by creating more mixed use in terms of interspersing retail with living with other forms of leisure. So, you know, interesting, I mean, in the West End of London, which is where I am now, I mean, you know, there's, there's things like golf courses have opened up, crazy golf's opened up on the third floor of various places. I and mean, a lot of retailers are experimenting in terms of, 
Uh, John Lewis have got a store where you can go and sleep in the store the night, try out the beds. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I th I th but I think that's, that's what it's about. I, mean, I think it's about sort of trying to find reasons that actually create this sort of social sort of community um, so you don't lose the whole fabric. I mean, I, I always found it really frustrating. And you could see it when they closed, post offices were closing left, right and centre. And then, you know, for me, the post office was somewhere to go on bloody queue forever to post a letter or a package. But for, for a lot of people, you know, the older people, you know, it's somewhere to go where they actually can talk to someone. And I think this, you know, you're finding, I mean, I'm seeing more and more reports in terms of young people being extremely lonely. So, so you know, they, they might have online friends, but, but the fact is it's creating this sort of very polarised um, oneness where people are sitting, you know, I mean, even you go on the WeWorks, I find it fascinating that, yeah, all these little businesses making money. I mean, are they really making money, or are all these, you know, all these young guys in there really got parents who are saying, "Tell you what, Johnny, go and get a desk in WeWork, and we will fund you." Uh, because certainly, I couldn't have came down from Newcastle to London on the back of setting up my own business and sitting in a WeWork. So, so you know, I'm probably being slightly cynical, but 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 you do tend to find I'm not sure these co-working spaces actually facilitate for the level of networking that you know, it's assumed people do. I think a lot of what I see, and I use them fairly regularly, yeah, you know, it's people sitting at a you know, laptop with headphones in all day. And yeah, and there's, there's, there's very little, you know, I think, cross-fertilization. And obviously in WeWorks, you get people who are taking physical office spaces and there's groups of people. But a lot of the... I think hot desking type workers, yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I, yeah. There, there's very, there's things that supposedly engage them, but I don't really see people being that engaged. And I think yeah. high streets have a, a big part to play in that. With with the high street, and social media the way it is, there needs to be some more exciting things going on. First of all, in the high street, which which is exactly what you're saying, right? But actually, we need to work out ways to bring the people from social media into that high street, but also get the people who are in the high street to share that experience with the people on social media, because that's the way we're going to actually get the two to, to pull together. And that's the, that's the major problem. Obviously, people walking around on their phones like this. Yeah, I mean, we know, we know that, and that's a massive problem, isn't it? Um, but the, I think it's just society in general has changed. I mean, like I remember when I grew up, we, you know, we had the, the, the telephone, you stuck your finger in the wheel, you know, and you, you had what, three channels on the TV. You probably had two, right? I think I certainly remember, yeah, two probably. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and now the major issue is there's so much information. There's actually ridiculous amounts of information about everything. That's why I'm doing this interview with you because I know that what you've got to say is valuable and people need to hear it. So even if I share this with 10 or 20 people who are in retail and it gets them thinking about how they're going to actually save their business, right? Then that's, that's great, you know, but it's almost like you need a sign. You need a sign that just says this way, experience this way yeah uh, or you need or you need a display or you need something that's actually really creative really engaging that 
like the bed idea with John Lewis. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. Can you just imagine if they set up like some really good social media displays where, you know, you could pretend you've got a butler or something. I mean, there could be all sorts of creative ideas, couldn't they, that could merge no, that? I agree. I mean, I, yeah, I, I read a lot about, you know, things being Instagrammable, you know, so, so the reason people aren't going to certain restaurants, they're not Instagrammable, so whether that's uh, Prezzo or whatever it is, <laughs> the ones have gone under. But I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure that that's right. I mean, I think it, it, it's interesting. I, I went to, you know, I live, like I say, North London. I went to. Um, we got a, quite a lot of do's at Ali Pali. You know, right, of course. It's walking distance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, the, the firework do this weekend, and they have effectively a street food market afterwards, and then a disco, you know, music playing, DJs, whatever. And it's, I always find when I go to these sort of things, and I've been to probably three or four this year, it's a complete cross-section, you know, so it's from, you know, both my daughters, one's you know, 21, one's 23, and their boyfriends were part of our group, but it was full of mixed, you know, so there was people in their 50s and 60s, and there was also people in their 20s, and the DJs, you know, and it was just great because people were actually interacting with each other. And all right, you know, you had an amount of people probably spending the whole evening with the phone. I find it fascinating. You go to a firework yeah. display yeah. and you look up and no one's looking at the fireworks. They're all looking at the phones of the fireworks. So it's almost like ignore the experience in terms of what's happening now. I'll come back and look at it later. And, and I, I yeah. see that all over. You know, the yeah. people sort of, um, instead of actually, I think what you need in terms of creating experience on the high street is things that get people in the moment interacting with people. Fine, if they want to do the old selfie yeah. or Instagram shot to post, but, but don't make that the reason they're going there. Because no. How, no. how long does it take, and this is, this is what gets me with a lot of what's being said, how long does it take to take a few shots in a restaurant to show you've been there? Instant. And then you're gone. I, I, I was in Indonesia last year, and... Lots of wealthy Chinese, uh, this, this was Bali, lots of wealthy Chinese, and we, were, we backpack, so it's, you know, it's not particularly expensive, but we have a few two or three days in quite expensive places, and we're in this quite expensive, one of our expensive places rather than our backpacking places, and uh, I was sitting on my own beside the sea in this quite you know, plush cafe, just having a beer, watching the sea. Some Chinese young guy, probably 21, 22, very wealthy looking, in terms of he had all the right design idea, nice to press and stuff, uh, came and he sat down at a big table, like the table I'm sitting at here. And the food started arriving. And eventually the entire table was full of food and the Indonesian young girls who were serving them, I could hear them sort of laughing behind. Anyway, started taking photographs of the food. And I was thinking, someone's going to join this <laughs> And I think, and I sat there for half an hour and an hour. Still, no one came to join them. And he'd ordered the entire, from what I could see, menu to actually post it on social media. And yeah, one, it's a bloody criminal waste because I didn't see him eat anything. Um, But two, it's this sort of sense of if I was ordering that food, I'd be ordering the food to experience the food, not to experience the photograph of the food. Yeah. And I think that whole 
reality is what the high street can actually start to push in. So it's you know so, so start to bring in this idea of, of, of mixing it up a bit and creating reasons to actually go there and for people to actually interact. And I think that's why things like the golfs and the table tennises and the yeah. like you're seeing around the West End now yeah. are actually working because they actually create it's very Instagrammable and very postable, but they actually create some interaction between people. Yeah. You don't necessarily get, yeah, you do get, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm in an age where I go up the dog and duck on Frith Street and I have a pint with a few mates and, and we interact. But, you know, we, we, I mean, in actual fact, I went to the coach and horses a week ago and I post my picture with my mate of the coach and horses on Instagram. But yeah. it's quite rare to do that because if, if I did, I'd have. A thousand photographs of you know, yeah, yeah, horses because it's yeah. not something that's unique. It was just I haven't seen this particular guy for yeah. ages. Um, but but my point is to to just use the extraordinary as a social media moment and not use it as a social community engagement. I think is something that the high street could actually push back at people. Um, and start to add some fabric back into society. And I think that's the real opportunity you know, as, as space is opening up and hopefully rents are reducing and local authorities start to look at how they can reduce the rates. Um, yeah. you know, or, or else you're going to end up with high streets that are full of you know, betting shops, nail bars, you know, you know, people who can afford to actually be in, be out, you know, and, and they're not really adding anything back in terms of creating this thing that everyone could actually use. And I think it's, it's more than, you know, it's more than just entertaining young people for social media purposes. Right. A lot of things have disappeared that were there, and, you know, that, that, that used to bind people together, you know, so whether it was youth clubs, um, you know, pubs are disappearing for the same reasons, you know, yeah. five pound a pint. I mean, people can't go and have a five pound pint five days a week now. No. Um, and I'm not suggesting you know, they should, but they're places where people engage with each other. Yeah. I think that's the big danger that, you know, things that are the points and the places where people engage are what is being actually eroded. But is that it? You know, I've I've been thinking a lot about this recently, and you know, it's a lot of this is to do with actually not embracing the generations that are coming along. So, like the young, the young people, the new, you know, newborns, and as they grow grow older, they're going to be creating artwork, and they're going to be creating, you know. Um, things that they could actually engage the local community and and you know if they actually just just give an example right if there's if there's like um, a restaurant yeah that says right okay every month we're going to run a competition for this school right this month they they pick a different school each month and they run an art competition and then at the end of the year then they have a competition where all where all the winners from each month for example, um, are put against each other and then they vote and then and then there's a prize for that particular person and their family, for example, right? And these opportunities to engage are being missed because on the whole, the way I see it is there are the big, big chains, yeah, who couldn't care, right? Mostly, mostly, all right? You obviously, you've got, you've got exceptions with Waitrose and, 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 and stuff. 
but they are too slow to move yeah and you've got the smaller kind of businesses but they can't really afford to spend loads of time doing this because they don't have a lot of money to, or time in fact because they're busy with inside inside the business you know so it's like i'm just a bit i'm just a bit sort of I'm not going to sound bored because I actually went into Chichester. I live in Chichester now. I just moved from Devon and, and, and it is a middle class uh, city. It's absolutely beautiful. We've got a cathedral, um, you know, and I, and I saw some amazing signage. I went past, you know, there was one sign. It was like bacon butty and a cup of tea for, for two ninety five. Not that I'm going to buy a bacon butty and a cup of tea, but that, that's but it was a beautiful bicycle. It had a beautiful sign. It was a vintage bike. It was, it was really clean. And these opportunities to actually engage and remind people that you exist are being missed. And I, I mean, I've studied that, that this for years because when I, I came from retail, right? So, so I was in drinks retail, like back in the day, like when I was, my dad used to run a winery and we, and we went to loads of shows and, you know, so I, so I, I, and then I worked in wine merchants and stuff. So I kind of get retail. I love retail. I think it's hugely exciting, but there are people that are just like, oh, well, you know, who cares kind of an attitude. And, it, and it's like, well, actually my dad worked out that every new signpost that he bought on the main road, I mean, he spent a lot of money on signs, 30,000 pound a sign they were for a single sided sign on the main road. But each one would add 5% onto the shop sales. So there was a direct correlation between that signage out there on the main road and the shop sales for brand awareness. Well, brand I, I, I get what you're saying, but I mean, if, if you think that you know, Amazon is the new Walmart in reality, I mean, you're saying so Amazon are effectively a delivery company. Um, but they're starting to, I mean, I find it quite amazing because you can see the same thing with Deliveroo. You know, Deliveroo are developing black kitchens. You know, so, so, so black kitchens being kitchens where food's made. So they, you know, so, so what they're doing is they're, 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 they're buying in. So, so Deliveroo will deliver for any brand, any brand. So, so you know, you can get Carluchos from Deliveroo or whatever brand you want from Deliveroo. McDonald's, but ultimately the touch point with the customer is Deliveroo. If if they're going down that route, so it enables Deliveroo or Amazon to ultimately dictate the terms of the sale and what they're actually selling. So ultimately, if Deliveroo open Black Kitchens producing a McDonald's equivalent, all of a sudden McDonald's out the frame, and. You can see Amazon are doing exactly the same. You know that they're they're effectively creating their own own labels, and ultimately, yeah, it's this sort of distance between the consumer and brand. So if you went to Walmart to buy Fairy Liquid, Fairy Liquid is now two steps away from you. Yeah, you know, because if you go, and I'm not sure this exists, but if you say went through Amazon to get to Walmart to get the fairy liquid, the customer, you know, the opportunity is for Amazon to develop its fairy liquid. And all of a sudden, you know, that's, you know, so, so but there's problems with that, isn't there? There's this problem. You can see that ultimately, technically brands are potentially going to become more and more watered down as the consumer touch point gets further and further away. 
so so and i can see that the way things are going that 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 could apply to any brand so brands are huge at the moment I don't know, nike for instance yeah all of a sudden amazon start getting people start saying right okay i don't want to go to the nike store i don't want the nike experience anymore mm-hmm. i'm just going to order my nikes through amazon and you can um and all of a sudden yeah nike starts saying right okay well we'll offer the experience of nike and then we'll offer some nikes or equivalents um yeah i don't know how that plays out i don't know how that plays out what i do think the high street's able to do though is offer something where there's just a space where people go so whether that's how you actually define that so whether it's go there listen to music or socialize or you know but it's got to be about interaction of people rather than anything to do with brands or necessarily anything to do with social media other than the social media opportunities that come out by people socializing and communities being formed yeah and i appreciate this whole thing about socialization and communities you know brands love it because brands want to be people that's the whole point isn't it you develop an identity all of a sudden you've got a personality as part of your identity and that's what brands love to be isn't it our, you know, what is the personality of our brand it's it's yeah you, know, you look at some forms of strategy for brands and you do get these alignments with characters you know so you, you've yeah. got companies who use character sets uh, which are usually from psychology to do brand definition so, yeah. so it's not it's not a brand it's a nice little smiley person who you're talking to and we talk back to you and we make sure that we answer when you call and yeah, you know, this whole thing, I think, doesn't really. I think people as brands, yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, are what we need to get back to. And the fact is, that's where I think the lack of engagement lies. The fact that people need a reason to leave the house and talk to other people. Yeah. yeah. And usually, that's got to be around a commonality. And a lot of the commonalities are disappearing. So whether the commonality was to drink a pint of beer or to go to the youth club to play table tennis, or, or to go to post a letter. These points of commonality are what we need to get back in. Or, or as they're saying, you know, you could be looking at accommodation or living. But again, that's a point of commonality, isn't it? Yeah, well, I like that. I've been thinking a lot about that. I know you're big into that. And um, I think that, that that should be certainly a direction that people should go. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're in a startup business, right, having an office where you can sleep and, and, and that's really nice and everything else is brilliant. I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's more of it, right? I mean, yeah, but when, you, when you look at the social, you know, the world of social media, the, the, the big value players a bit like yourself are influencers, people who know on social media, a lot of people. Wouldn't it be great if in the real world you had influencers, i.e. people who knew their local community, but, but, but people community, not, not, not this distanced, and there's nothing wrong with that, but not this distanced thing. So all of a sudden, you know, you, you know, you know a certain brand will want to follow you because you've got X amount of thousand connections on LinkedIn or whatever it is. But it would be fascinating if you could create real communities in real high streets and have some influencers. So all of a sudden brands are going, we're going to give Eddie 10,000 know, cans of 
whatever, brew dog, because he's going to have a proper party where proper real people, and here's some space for him to do it. Yeah, so it's almost it's almost mirroring what's happening in the digital world back into what used to happen in real life, and that used to happen, didn't it? It used to happen. People used to socialize more and create communities uh, more, and yeah, you know, things like churches. You know, and, and you know, lapsed in terms of my particular religion, but but the fact is. I was part of, you know, Roman Catholic time, you know, and brought up with all these people who had these commonalities. And for me, it was never about the religion. It was more about the fact that there was a commonality. Um, and, 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 you know, it was creating communities. And I just think somehow or other, we could be using the high streets to almost create online communities offline. And then the online communities could sell back to real groups. You know, so, so, so I think it's a, a cycle that, you know, it's not about stopping, you know, the whole social you know, media level of community. It's about actually creating real communities that benefit people, stop lo loneliness, you know, create real places, you know, real senses of being part of something. Yeah. All of a sudden, everything goes better, crime goes down, you know, people are more engaged in terms of where they live, rather than assuming that, you know, the world's all bad or the world's all good but but the fact is i think it's about getting out in the world and talking to people yeah well i i agree i think i think that in in many cases people just think they're too busy and they think they're too important you know and, and they're suffering from delusions of of grandeur you know and getting out i mean my dad he's 85 right and like I've been hanging out with him, yeah. He hardly even uses mobile phone. I live like ten minutes cycle from from him, right? He hardly uses his mobile phone, yeah. And and we, yeah, we 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 just we I've been teaching him Tai Chi in the mornings, like three mornings a week for an hour. He's eighty five. I kid you not. He's been going to the gym for like uh, three three years, pumping weights and uh, and stuff. Um, and you know, he talks to people and. And people need that engagement. You know, just think about like this present generation of like, you know, say the 50 year olds who are into social media now and then they get to 60, they get to 70, they get to 80, right? They're never going to speak to anyone in the real world unless this problem is, is, is fixed. And like some old age pensioners, right, aren't so lucky. They don't talk to people because no one goes to speak to them, right? And it's like, and, 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 and I think you can lose, you can lose touch with people, whether, whether you're on social media or you're not. But I think it's, it's down to your attitude and how friendly you are and how much time you've got to ask people about their lives. Yeah, you know? I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I know what you're like. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly similar. You know, I'm quite yeah. good morning when I meet people and this, that and the other. You know, so so I, I do make an effort, you know, but, but um, a lot of people aren't. But the more people who do make an effort, the more... Yeah, likely when you say good morning to someone that you pass in the morning, they're less likely to be shocked if it happens more regularly. You know, so, so I think that sense of, create, I mean, yeah, the, the one thing social media could actually do is create you know, a, be a benefit, which would add value to the other benefits, would be to create communities in the real world. Yeah, rather than actually totally insular. Um, you know, so, so I think anything that actually does that, and like I say, my, my focus is very much around the high street because I think there's spatial opportunities to do that. You know, in the environment, you know, spaces are opening up, and all right, they're opening up at the moment probably for the wrong reasons, i.e. companies have gone bust, 
and obviously jobs have been lost, but, but that does present opportunities if the circumstances can be made right in terms of rentals, because again, a lot of retailers are tied into pension funds, so it's not a great thing as a going bust. Um, and local authorities are having to demand more for parking and rates because of you know having everything cut in terms of austerity. So yeah, everyone's under pressure and we all know there's potholes all over the bloody place because they can't afford to fill them and it's not not you know. So so but I think when that starts to pan out, um and obviously you've got Brexit. <laughs> I know you're massive on recycling, yeah. Like I know you buy these amazing boots that are a bit like they're made from like recycled tires. Are you wearing them today? Uh, and now I'm actually wearing I'm sure actually I'm wearing a pair of uh, these are I just move the camera. These are East German actually. They're called uh, Nice. Anyway, I always wear these. Sort of so, so, so when it comes to recycling, right? Okay, it could be so simple. Like the government, yeah, could actually work with with empty spaces in town. Yeah, they could take recycled goods from the tips. Yeah, that that were deemed saleable, right? And then they could become a charitable organisation themselves. Yeah, and create their own charity, right? But the whole point is, is that it, no one actually thinks about these things, yeah? And no one actually says, well, you know, we can, we can do this. Charities get much lower rates. I think they're zero, zero rate value, aren't they? So in my mind, the high street should have more charity shops. I mean, you go to this little town in Devon where I just moved from, this little town called Buffy Tracy. They've got a little distillery in there. You wouldn't even know it's even there, right? Dartmoor Distillery, which is new. You, they've got um, four charity shops, right? One's called the Mare and Foal Sanctuary, right? I kid you not. Uh, the stuff I've bought in, the, I mean, literally, I bought this tripod, right? I kid you not, right? This is a 95 pound tripod, yeah? This, this, right, will last for 25 years longer than the one you buy on Amazon for a tenner, yeah? I bought this for six pounds, right? I'm not ashamed to say that, right? And, and, I, and I am sick and tired of people wasting money, right, when they don't need to, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that, I, I mean, I, I buy clothes from a few specific sources, but, but the fact is the, the clothes, I mean, not that I've got that much longer to live. Um, <laughs> but, but, but the clothes I buy will last me the rest of my life. But, but they're, 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 yeah, they're not cheap. But, but the fact is, I buy a couple of different yeah. brands, which yeah, and I buy predominantly workwear. So it's stuff that lasts you for life. And I think this yeah. idea of buying once and buying well, as against the Primark, you know, buy three hundred t-shirts, wear them once, and throw them away, and you've got massive problems but but i think you know, the, the problem with the whole high street thing is obviously the way it's sort of valued in terms of finance in the uk you know so there's this huge value put on rental values and property in the uk um, and that's part of the problem that all of a sudden when things like retail start to diminish obviously there's a lot of people who've got their bets on 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 the retail horse you know and uh they're very reluctant to go from 300 pound a square foot down to 30 pound a square foot or whatever the figures may be uh because it, it's not as simple as just reducing rents and and likewise there's a whole raft of 
local authority things like planning uses, uh, yeah, health and safety, fire, whatever. There's lots of reasons why things can't just change like that. But, but I think with a, a fair wind and a, and a good plan, potentially things could change and you could have yeah, a much more social, community-based focus around where people live. Yeah. Um, but it is actually having a plan and for more people to actually push towards that. Um, and I think the, the, the danger is that it's about engaging younger people in that. And I think yeah, younger people, a lot of younger people I know are very engaged in a whole range of things from politics to whatever. But I think it, it, it's, it's creating these opportunities, um, as you're saying, um, trying to make them work. Yeah. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for your time. It's been really, really interesting. And went round and round a bit, didn't it? But <laughs> hey, it's all right. You know, it's all right. We got there in the end. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe and wherever you prefer, share with your friends. And if you enjoyed the show, drop us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen.